podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening. Good evening, Europe, and welcome along to the day trippers of the forums of a Monday night. Uh, we have a big show lined up tonight. Pete is due to join us at some stage. He's just gone out, and not unlike FSG, Pete's out. And then join. Then we've got four <laughs> topics. You can see them on screen over this way, over there. Michael Edwards, he's out. The human element of football, that's out. Harvey Elliott, he's out. And LFC pundits, they're all out. So everyone is out tonight, and that's the most important thing. This, is, of course, is I'm your host. I'm not out. I'm in, as you can see, in my house. And uh, joining me on the show tonight, of course, is Frank Stapleton and Johnny Giles and Ragnar Clavin. Um, and that's the crack. I want to welcome everyone along to the chat. I can see you're all lively tonight, caring about transfers and, and, and everything. Um, let me let you all know we're going to sign no one. So you can all need to relax there. Uh, Mbappe is not being signed, as I said, on the Canada show at the start of the transfer window. So uh, deal with that. Uh, Gavin, if you could bring up the guests there, I want to introduce Frank Stapleton, uh, Brian Mean, and uh, Ragnar Clavin. That would be great. Brian Mean. That would be great. <laughs> That's a show for any, any Irish person. They know what that means. Uh, good evening, all. As you can see tonight, I've got Andy, I've got Shane, I've got myself, and Pete will be joining us along soon. That's why there's a blank screen there at this moment in time. Uh, well, right, lads, Michael Edwards. Uh, it's been the topic of the day. Be the man, the myth, the legend, the man that they're having a statue built for outside the Manchester City Stadium, where they had that statue built that doesn't look like uh, anything. But Michael Edwards supposedly leaving the club um, at some stage in 2021. <clears throat> he is a legend in my eyes at this point in time. He's the man who single-handedly built this Liverpool squad, this Liverpool team, instrumental in bringing in Jurgen Klopp, instrumental in changing the foundations and the structure of this club. But... His style, his methodology is designed to ensure that there's continued success even after his exit. Andy, before I go on a rant in a little bit, Michael, <laughs> the, announcing the Michael Edwards exit via David Ornstein, who appears to be tied to somebody in the club because it was him who had all the, the, the agent talk from Henderson. Um, how's your feelings on the idea of Michael Edwards, the transfer genius, the man who put Munchy out to the monster munch in his box? What do you think? Yeah, I've, I've no real feelings on the field. Uh, sure, he does nothing anyway. We're not signing right. anyone. <laughs> so he he doesn't have any job to do. So that's where they get rid of him. And they're not even, they're not even replacing him because we don't sign anyone. So they're just letting him go and then there'll be no one else there. And then uh, all the FSGO heads are going to fall off a cliff and it was going to go even madder. I know, seriously, it's just, I've seen it today, and it's like fans are just constantly looking for something to complain about or something to feel sad about. Um, Liverpool are playing good football. It looks like they're it looks like they're a lot better than they were last season. 
and we draw against Chelsea and they announce that uh, a director of football or whatever he is, is leaving and everyone's gone absolutely rasher. Seriously, people leave football clubs. When Bilvac left, people's heads were falling off because they thought we couldn't play attacking football anymore. When Ginny Wijnaldum announced that he was going to be leaving, people's heads were falling off because he thought that everyone thought there was mad rumblings going on at the club. Every time someone leaves, people just go rasher and it's all based <clears> on <throat> assumptions. Seriously, I don't know. Like, if you can't enjoy this football team and you're worrying about Michael Edwards leaving, seriously, forget about it. When he was a, when he was recruited or when he was given that uh, promotion, people went mad over that too because they didn't feel he was fit for purpose. Then he became one of the best at his jobs in the business. And now he's leaving. And now we should look, he's just going to be replaced by someone that, that we're all going to be praising in a couple of years. And then maybe we won't. And then they'll leave and they'll be going mad again. Seriously, get over <laughs> it. Liverpool are deadly. Don't be worrying about fellas leaving. Shane, <laughs> Shane, you said to me before we started this, who's Michael Edwards? So what? what's your take on, on, on the whole system? Um, do, do you know who these people are? That, did he, did he even matter to you? Listen, I'm looking forward to you uh, educating me now when you go off in your rant. But no, in all seriousness, look, like Andy said, like he's going to be replaced. I, I think you're right. I think all the things that being written about the situation is kind of down to like what you uh, like was said that it's, it's a it's a system, and the system doesn't rely on one man. It's designed to keep running. If 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 uh, if, if one particular man lives, so I would be confident. I don't listen. I, I don't know too much about Edwards. I think he's he gets a lot of credit at times. He got a lot of credit at times for selling players on and getting over the odds. Would seem for money uh, over the odds money for play, squad players that seem to have slowed down uh, the last couple of seasons. Um, but by all accounts, this fella is, is, is highly rated. This fella, Julian Ward, or whatever his name is. So, I mean, listen, there's no point in fucking shooting this fella before he's in the job. You just have to wait and see. It's basically it. I think it's um, a sign of the times as to what's going on out there at this, at, at, at this moment of time. Andy's touching it. The people have spent everything they're doing moaning. Blittering on like a bunch of shite horses that fucking have nothing to do, to do but wander around in the field, chewing on the bilging. grass of transfer bilging. bollocks. Bilging. Right? Bilging. Bilging. Bilge. Bilge. And more bilge, bilge as, as, as they rant <laughs> onwards. Weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, Jorgen Klopp was the genius behind everything. And we needed Klopp to have a new contract and we needed all the players to have a new contract. Now... Edwards is the genius, but Edwards wasn't the genius because Edwards didn't want to sign anyone only two weeks ago. The fact is, there is no one person that's better than the other. The fact is that the reason why this system is, is set up to work the way it is, is it's designed to work to be better than the sum of its parts. You see this, that the that Klopp is the best ever and if everything falls apart if Klopp isn't around. Klopp wouldn't have won anything with Borussia Dortmund in the last few years had he stayed there, mainly because it doesn't really matter with Sork. They have they had a similar setup, and if the best team in the league comes in and just buys all your best players whenever they feel like all the time, you're never going to win the league. It's just that's just the way it is, right? What they've what the what this club has been built on is the idea that we would have to outperform the sum of our parts, that we would pick up players who are not designed to be the top of the top of the top of the 
the hill. They're designed to be those just about to come to the top of the hill. Since Michael Edwards has come in, we have been competent in developing a system that delivers improved and sustained improved success year on year, ultimately resulting in a position that we could attract a manager of Klopp's levels, not the Brendan Rodgers levels, not the Kenny Dalglish levels, not the Roy Hodgson levels, but we're talking about an elite coach and we remain in an incredibly attractive position to do what it is. Thankfully, the system that Michael Edwards has set up is designed, designed to allow succession to continue on. Designed, and I see this, John, film, the system never worked before Klopp arrived. Did you know? Mid-table dross for years. Where were we at? So 13-14 didn't happen. That didn't happen. That was an imagination. Right? Even when, Ken, even when Kenny was there, had we managed to put the thing together about 60 days, or sixty the, the last 60 days, we could have got close to the, the, the Champions League. This is ridiculous. So Michael Everett's leaving. Told, you'd be told, oh, that was Suarez and Sterling and Sturridge. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what is it with, with our own fans that they try and make excuses for our own success? Like, that it, yeah. it wasn't built on anything planned. Like, they're constantly trying to discredit everything. It's, it's it's actually bizarre. How do you, how are how is anyone even enjoying watching football? <coughs> it's like the interest in the inside shows, you know, second guessing everything or pretending you know better. Sit down at three o'clock on a Saturday or whatever five half five or whatever time of the game and, and just enjoy it. There's a lot of people getting paid big money to do all that worrying for you, and a the product they're producing on a weekend is pretty fucking good. It's immense. We're one of the best teams in Europe. We've been to the top. In the, we've been to the top. I, I look at this and say, can people not and, and respect that? What this respect? What what somebody like Michael Edwards has done? He should have a statue up outside Anfield. Klopp should get a statue up outside outside Anfield. Both of them delivered a, a Champions League, two Champions League finals, a Champions League, and a league. Edwards has been responsible for. Two runners up goals at, at, at league titles more than anybody has done. So for me, I'm saying that this is this is what this system is designed for, and I'm I just hope that the system he set up is as infallible as he has been as a sporting director. Last week, people would have been moaning that Michael Edwards wasn't outside anyone, and he's been rigid and he's sticking to the FSG plan, and it's all FSG, it's FSG, if it's FSG. It's not. It's because it's, it's because look, it's Phil. It's because people think there's an ulterior ulterior motive. There's something going on behind the scenes. Andy, he's Andy, probably got a big uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Job Andy, in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Andy, Andy mentioned it earlier. Sometimes people leave jobs and move on. It's like yep. Habu yep. actually left. He moved on. Like some sometimes, according to the, according to the article in the Athletic, I didn't read the article. Just seeing the, the the headlines of it, everything is seemingly very amicable. Extremely amicable between uh, there's no there's been no data as to when he stepped down. It doesn't say he definitely is stepping down. It's saying mm-hmm. the article the the headline says it's it's believed he will step down and that this fella is in place that um uh this fella is in place Julian he's the one Julian Mart is increasingly influ- uh, influential. So I mean that like that, that we are where we are. Like just I I th- I, th- I think I think we should no point celebrate. Yeah, yeah, and also. Just, just a heartbreak. I know people are talking about yeah. going back over the years, and things haven't been good until clock came in and stuff like that. We got things right. 
He signed for, like this. Remember, I'm going to give it the name that the the press gave it to Maloney. Um, all those years ago, the transfer committee. Yeah, that that article was floating around today. The the article that Neil Ashton wrote, basically slamming uh, Michael Edwards for being uh, an analyst, etc., and it's putting all scouts uh, out of business and it won't work and blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. now, listen, we we, we, we signed some gems. We we signed exactly. We signed Firmino. We signed Coutinho. It it, it works. It has worked. And hopefully, there's, like you said, hopefully it can it can continue to work in the future. There's a super chat there from Billy Cometio because he's got not, he hasn't got much to do at the moment. Uh, he's not getting sent out on loan because Michael Edwards is, is is gone. He's he's left the building. He's just he's he's found Ian Ayer's bike and he's doing wheelies around the old Melwood. Um, super chat one set from Billy Cometio. What's wrong with wanting to replace player salt? Uh, nothing. Nobody ever said there was. No, nobody just want to play replace. But what's wrong with understanding that you don't necessarily have to buy every time you want to replace a player that's sold? It's it works both ways. You Klopp apparently, I didn't hear this quote, but Klopp apparently said about Harvey Elliott. I know we're going to speak about him later on. But if Gino and Alden was still here, he wouldn't be getting minutes on the pitch. So what? Like what? What do we? What do we want? Do you want Gini kept? Do you want Harvey Elliott playing? You have to. You have to have a pathway for these players. So it's all a bit. Yeah. Do you know yep. what I mean? And listen, that's that's not me saying we'll get to it later on. I think we're short. We're short one. And if, and if people don't yeah, understand, we, what we I mean, are. Right? I think we're. I think we're. We're, we're, we're short in a Rigi upgrade. I think we should be. Yeah, exactly. At, we should have been looking at a way to edge Rigi out. I don't see him having much of a future. But look, you never know. Um, the, the biggest uh, thing for me, Andy. Like, the biggest thing. Yeah. The biggest thing for me. Sorry. The biggest thing for me on this is that if Edwards decides to leave, I don't want him. I don't want to see him going to a club in England. If he goes to Real Madrid or he goes to a Barcelona or goes to a, a somewhere like that, you can. He's going to set up the, the the system somewhere else. You just wouldn't want to see him going to a, um, a an Arsenal or a Manchester United. Hey, Pete. Right. Uh, a Manchester United. <laughs> You must, yeah, you must, you're, not, you're not looking great after I'm out of sun for two weeks <laughs> um, but yeah I, I just don't understand so for me it's an orderly exit if, if, if it is what it says but the one thing I will say is that so far David Ornstein despite getting information from agents he's been 100% wrong um, Henderson's about to sign his new contract instead of going to let go Madrid um, and if that's anything to go boy there's probably a good chance that uh, Edwards is going to be made uh, president of FSG <laughs> and run here, the Red Sox. Is, is David Ornstein in the Athletic? Yeah. 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 Oh, for, forget it. Can Seriously. I, can like, I ask you a question? Every, every time I see something like that, it's clickbait. But can I, can yeah. I ask you a question? And I'm only jumping in here until Peter arrives. And yep. then I'll go away. But the, the stuff on this Michael Edwards stuff, the timing of it from Ornstein is very interesting. Right. And, you know, like you said there, it could be a fella that, I don't know how many years he's at Liverpool, I think someone said 10, and he's not only eight, been, eight I think, hey, hey, somewhere around there, but like, if you look, if you look at the, the development of, um, the main stand, if you look at the development of, in particular, Kirby, he had a massive role in it, um, with the optics of it, and how it would set up, and stuff like that, he had a huge role, if you, there's actually a program on LFC TV about it, so there's much, much more to his job, than just signing players, and, and selling players, but, when you look at it and and you see what's going on, do you, do you think there might be there might be something in this? Like people are saying, there has to be something in this. And look, they could be completely right or they could be completely wrong because no one really knows, right? But yeah. could there be something in it? Because and we, I tried to make this point last night on on the fatback four. We keep being told next summer, right? 
And I think we're going to run into a roadblock with this squad. And I think next summer will be it. Because you keep saying next summer, though, Gav. No, well, like I've seen, I've seen reports. Chris. I've, I've seen no, I've, no, I've seen reports. Um, Liverpool are looking oh, at Chris this, this summer. Ma- maybe, maybe this summer, maybe next summer, and stuff. What I'm saying is, if it doesn't happen this summer, right, which is literally in the next 24 hours, it very rarely happens in January. And then you go on, and it's it's next summer when you're going to look to do things with this squad. Do any of you feel that we like? Without sounding like you're just absolutely going fucking mental because we haven't signed anyone, and I think we're all in agreement we probably need one, if not two. <coughs> do you not feel that next summer you could be looking going? There's probably too much to do here to make to, to you know. My feeling on it was two or three in this summer, and your forward plan. And when you get to next summer, you probably add two, three, and over that year's time, you've reshaped and you've remolded the squad. Because I think next summer looks a very difficult proposition with what we've done this summer. I just wanted to see. Okay, Cav, and if, if, if that's the case and Edwards has decided himself that he wanted a new a new um, challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Say uh, there's a lot of talk about him going to America. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to a football team. He could be going to a top role in the MSL or something like that to make it a bigger pro- project or a bigger prospect. His whole thing is about data and, and identifying places and data, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be stuck in football. But I look at it when you say that. Like, I'm going to be disappointed if if we have if we've only signed Canase mm. this summer, right? I, yeah. I I I said it. I was on the Fatback Four. I've been on. I can't remember whatever other shows we've done as well. And I said I truly believe we need to get at least one centre mid, if not two centre mids, in this summer. However, and it's going to be probably a topic for next week. I think we're going to post a loss of somewhere around 130 million pounds sterling for the last year. Mm-hmm. And the focus on contracts, and fans don't like this stuff, but the focus on contracts means that they can spread the cost across a longer term. It means that you can still afford to do that when you're trying to offset losses in your football club, okay? Because you have less of an impact on your bottom line. It doesn't mean you've got, you, you haven't got the free cash or anything like that, but you just have this, right? And I think when, when, if, when you put a whole team together, I think Edwards has probably thought, right, I've done everything, taken them to the top, got them to the Champions League, done all this, what do I do? What's what's from here? The next is another rebuild. It's what happens after Klopp. It's what happens when this whole team comes in and everything. I think it's it's perfectly normal to see a refreshing up. But for me, I think he should be seen as the as as the influence and the and how important he was to where we got right. Um, and hopefully his system and his methods and his structure puts us in good stead for the next rebuild and the next evolution of this team. Because I've, I truly believe we're looking at, Klopp has only got two seasons after this. I don't think he'll sign an extension. I don't think he wants to sign an extension. Um, and then from that point on, it's what happens. Because you want to have your next sporting director in place to make the choice of who's going to replace Klopp after him. Right? And if the sporting director is not in it for the long term, you're better off having the guy who's going to be in it for the long term. It's it's the American model. And again, I'll go back to it. You've got to educate yourself. If you're a fan out there, you've got to educate yourself on American sporting models to understand how FSG will think and how what FSG will back out there. And the sporting director is the one that's there for the long term. The coach is seen to be the one that's there for a relatively short term and a period of success. They move on and the sporting director continues to build and rebuild the evolutions of each team. And that's just the simple fact of this. Yeah, I, I know that's a simple fact. And I know that that's, you know, like you say, it's very straightforward what you've said there. All I'm saying is in a footballing sense, when you look at the squad we have now, and we feel like we're too short, <laughs> right? And we don't do anything. We go to next summer. We were, we're going into next summer too short, at least, right? Can you, I don't know if I can see us going and signing four or five for the money that we would expect to sign them for. Now, I know people would say, 
you know, oh, well, we bring in players at 30 million and we, 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 we make them stars. And we do. We absolutely do. Salah being case in point, 34 million and he's probably worth, he's worth north of 150, I'd say. But, but what I'm saying is like, can you, can you actually see that happen next summer where Liverpool turn around and go, we have this squad, we're going to lose A, B and C and we feel we need two more. And A, B and C are probably Minamino, Origi and Milner, which will probably bring you in around 20 million quid. So if you want to sign five, you're going to probably have to put 130 to 150 million down on the table. Can you see that happening? Because I don't know if I can. Will you need five though? But, well, well, you need two now. You need two now, right? And, yeah, so the, two, so two squad two, players. Two squad no, well, players. Squad players. I don't like the term squad no, players. I like force to level in and, and be players. You know. So, but what, what I'm so saying. So, so, so who will drop listen, out? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not here to say people that are going absolutely mental are are 100 correct. All I'm trying to say is, if you look at it from both sides, right, you want something now. You you probably do. And I think the vast majority of people think a midfielder and a forward. What I'm saying is if you leave that another year, which you probably will, January doesn't work majority mm. of the time. When you come to next year, you're going to say, well, we probably needed two last summer. And Milner's another year older. He'd be approaching 37, I think. Origi's definitely not going to be playing because I don't think he's getting a look in unless they get rid of him in the next 24 hours. And Minamino isn't trusted. So you're probably looking at 20 million max to get them out, right? And then you're saying, now I need four or five. So now we're talking 150, 160 million. Can you see the club doing that? How do you I mean Nick Minamino isn't trusted? I don't think he's trusted, Andy. I think I, I have a feeling if he was trusted. How many he would times, have gone though? How, I, I have yeah, a feeling he would yeah. have, if he was trusted, he would have been. He would have gone on that pitch on Sunday. I know, but we, we've seen it so many Saturday. times where players have taken a long time to be in Klopp's plans. You know, we spent big money on Fabinho and it took him a few months to get into the team. Uh, the same with Robertson. Like, there's nothing to say. Like, look, Minamino went off to Southampton, had a half decent loan spell. He was good in preseason. There's absolutely no reason. Just because he didn't come on at the weekend doesn't mean that he's not going to start featuring a little bit. Rumors, rumor has it that Bobby's going to be out for a couple of months now. Was probably start seeing Minamino uh, playing a bit of football, and then you'd be mm. saying to yourself, "Oh, maybe he does trust him." I think Klopp trusts everyone that's there. Um, I think you make very valid points about. Um, this sort of succession plan and the, the club are probably a year behind in what they were trying to do in terms of shifting players. A lot of what's happening this summer should have happened last year, but didn't because of pandemic. And Phil makes a very valid point that people don't like hearing logical explanations for things. But the club did report the loss this year and they're going to report another one probably three times the size of that. And that's the reality. And that makes it difficult to spend money. But you know, they say you don't we're not investing in the um in the in the club. Well, player wages um cost money. And it's all well and good when you're winning European Cups and winning the league and there's all these incentivized contracts. But I can guarantee you those renewals are all going to be guaranteed wages to keep the players happy at the club. And you just but, have to you have to just trust the process. It's it's worked so far. And we've been hit by by uh the pandemic, which is which is going to affect finances, look, and we're probably bored of tits off people listening now. But that that's look, that is the reality. We do probably need um, a backup for like as in get rid of Origi and bring in someone that's going to challenge uh, midfield. There's loads and loads of options, but unfortunately, there's a lot of players who are injury prone. But some of that falls on Klopp as well. Like why why wasn't some of these players who you can't rely upon shifted out the door? It took them a very long time to get rid of Lalana. Uh, and we kind of see the same problems at the back, which which causes. Um, so we're relying on 
there's probably whatever four or five players who can play centre back this year, but it's a good chance you might lose two or three of them for for long spells. So it's it's not all straightforward. It's not you you bring in a player and then they get injured themselves, like you know. But can I just go back? This is the process, right? It seems to me that Klopp has bought into the idea that he only they'll only go out now and sign players they feel will improve what's there. Right? We've seen this with, with, with the Van Dijk position when we were waiting around to sign Van Dijk and everyone was screaming that we should be signing this fella and that fella and the whole lot. And we held on and we got Van Dijk. Um, and they've spent money. The other bit is that they've, st- they've, they've spent money in that period to get us over the line for the Premier League and the Champions League. Like we signed... We had the most expensive goalkeeper in the world, the most expensive centre-back. We spent $53 million on Keita. We spent another $50 million on Fabinho. We spent all this money right when they went to do it. But I agree with Gav's point. My, my, my point is, is the exact same. It's not that I don't believe they won't spend the money. I, I truly believe that they're, the change has to be too big. And that goes, I'll go back to it again, that goes back to the American ideology that they go in and <clears throat> rip apart the squad and build it all back up again. If you look at what happens in baseball, which is the sport that they're most familiar with, right? And the most familiar in terms of the way it happens is that when your system, fall, when your season falls apart, instead of waiting around, they've signed, they'll, they'll sign the, 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 the general manager, which is essentially is the sporting director, and they'll get rid of all the players. They'll trade all the players away so they have the most amount of money to spend on new players for the new season to build a new championship level side, right? And if you look at, that's what, the Red Sox did two years ago and they're now back in the running for winning the World Championship or the World Series, whatever the hell it's called this year, right? That's their mindset. So when they're, if the sporting director goes to them and says, we're going to refresh the squad and they say, well, we've had a 200 million loss, we're going to have to hang on 12 months, right? Potentially, that's the point where they're saying, well, it's going to be tougher because if you look at what, who, are, who are spending this summer? Who are spending this summer and what are they buying? We've seen a 36-year-old move to PSG for a hundred billion euros in terms of what 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 his wages are going to cost. Yeah, we've a thirty yeah, nine year old going to United for twenty three million plus five hundred million a week in wages. <laughs> right, they 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 the marquee transfers this summer. Lukaku signs back for Chelsea after leaving Chelsea for fourteen years ago for one hundred and forty million zillion euros as well. Yeah, but I think that right? club. And think correct them, me if I'm yeah, wrong, but, but that's them, their only signing, isn't it? That's yeah, their only significant the signing. And he's yeah. the clubs you've brought up there aren't playing the same game that most of us are playing. Like PSG, Chelsea, United even, and City don't play the same game as everybody else. I think it's a poor, mm-hmm. I, think, I don't think it's a good comparison. You know, I look at Arsenal, right, and they've spent 150-odd million. I don't know what they've done with it. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is this, for me, like, I think it just comes down to a policy thing. It genuinely does. It comes down to a policy thing because you, you have people in the chat there saying, oh, you know, are we the only club affected by COVID? Absolutely not. You know, I think Liverpool have lost, um, I think Liverpool have lost somewhere around 130 million. I think they might be the second most affected. I know Spurs got hit badly because they haven't been able to push revenue through that new stadium. It's all been linked to Man City, 104 million, blah, blah, blah. But Man City can recuperate that in whatever way they need to do, right? Um, but it's, sim- it's simply a policy thing because, like, Wolves linked for 40 million for Renato Sanchez and Botman are probably 25. There's 65 million you're going, what's going on? This team signing that this it's obviously a policy thing. It has to be a policy thing. Because there's no way on this earth, right, that teams can go out and spend 70, 80, 90, 100 million during this time and Liverpool can't. There's mm-hmm. not in my mind they can't. 
So I Liverpool to, are playing. Liverpool but, but, are paying their players a lot of money, Gav. But they're earning a lot more money than these clubs as well, Andy. When you offset it, like Liverpool earn a lot more. Liverpool earn a lot more than a Wolves or a Aston Villa. No, well, our, our, or, way, our, our wages, our wages, our wages to revenue um, ratio is quite high. Yeah, you know, compared to those clubs, um, where you know you look at everything, it seems to be a very unsustainable model. There, their wage to re- revenue is, is 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 massive. But look, like. It's, it's you know you're bringing up other clubs. We don't know the ins and outs. We don't even know the ins and outs of our own club. No, we it's don't. Not just it's policy and funding. You can't deny when you see the club reporting them losses. You know they're not lawyers. <laughs> they, this is the reality. Like that's you have to factor that into your thought process. And Klopp probably has limited resources. I think he's kind of alluded to it quite a few times. And that's just the that's just the name of the game for him. You know, that's just the way that's just the way it is. I don't know, Gav. Um I do I, I agree just, with I'm, a lot I'm just asking lot the question what, because what you're saying. I'm just asking the question because you will get people asking. Look, I'm, well, I'm, asking, I'm, asking, I'm asking why aren't you signing to? Uh, from a foot purely footballing reason, like, you know, where do you get the money and what do you do with it? You know, what's it I, I hate to say what's yeah. it mean it's not my money but you know what I'm I saying mean, I'm looking at it purely a football and going in that squad for me a midfielder and an attacker allows us to compete on two levels as opposed to to be honest one. Gav I, I just I just find it hard to, to believe you know you have to you know the whole uh, player one player in one player out like the squad was full you know and then Shakiri left and no one really came in you want to see? I just don't. I, I find it hard to believe that you can't shift a Rigi and bring in another player. I find it hard to believe that you can't say shift one of the more uh, one of the midfielders who is more likely to pick up an injury across the season or a defender. Like I'm quite surprised that neither Gomez or or, or Matip were moved on. Look, I and I really do think they're both excellent players, but between the two of them, they can't make up the minutes of one player. You know, so like these are the kind of questions I ask myself: is is the reason our squad looks so light is because two or three months into the season, you're looking at the bench and you've two goalkeepers there and you've, you know, you've all sorts going on because of the fact that player, so many players are injured, you know, and, and that, that's, I think it's, right. that's one of the biggest. Bench, bench not very strong on, on, on Saturday night though. Everyone's fit. It's, Everyone's it's, fit. It's, it's, it's the strongest bench I've seen in a long time, right? Mm. And the bigger questions that you're coming off the back of that is like, like if 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 Henderson or midfield's Henderson, Elliot and uh, Fabinho for such a big game, it's great to see Elliot get, get game time. Mm. He's playing really really well. She I just keep coming, coming back. I just keep coming back to it and saying, well, there you've got Thiago and you've got um, all the other fellas that that could be playing in centre midfield. And I still look at it and say Henderson is is one of the first names that's on the team sheet. Um, he's the fella. His replacement, and I, I gave it out in the last one. It's the one that I would have liked to see is Graven Birch um, at Ajax. That's the fellow I thought we should go. That's the heir apparent to to Henderson, and I think grooming an heir for Henderson now should be top priority because that's where you start refreshing your engine room. And we still don't have cover, in my opinion, for Fabinho because. If you lose Fabinho, you don't have like we were playing Milner there in the fourth game against Norwich. Now it's grand, it's Norwich. You get away with it; it's, it's fine. But if you get into the bigger games, that's where the worry I have because you know normally it'd be Henderson or Wijnaldum, and you're gonna have a question over Henderson's longevity across the course of the season, and you don't have a Wijnaldum to step in and cover that position. 
But like I, this, this I'm just reading some of the chats, and it's just like the amount of shit that's being spoken in there. FSGO, FSGO. What's the alternative? We've gone through this loads of times, like because it doesn't make any sense. It's just putting words in a, in a hashtag together. It, it means nothing. FSGO, Grant. But, but all, let's go. Listen, I, I like a shiny new sign as much as anybody. But Gav yeah. alluded to it earlier. I think what they've done off the pitch, like, is just. It's like new stand, new training ground. Second, Anfield Road is going to get done. Like it's, and the, the price of the club has gone fucking through the roof for when they do eventually sell. We've won the league. We've won the Champions League. We've got to another final. You wait for uh, Europa League final. It's fucking, it's absolutely unbelievable. And and who, look, at who knows what way it's going to pan out. I'm, and I think we need one, at least mm. one. Right? We mightn't get it. But we got fucking won the Champions League and signed Seb Vandenberg. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And 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 then we've kicked on. Won the league. You know what I mean? We kicked on. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the same I mean, shite going yeah, on know. for years. Like before we won the league, before we won the Champions League, it was the same shite. And every mm-hmm. season, look, I, I'm not saying I was right or anything like that, but every season I, I felt that we were we were improving. You know, the squad was improving, the football was improving, and slowly but surely we we're getting closer to win the league. And we did. And and all along. People were saying FSG out and barking mad. I, 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 I don't understand. It's just it's just a weird phenomenon. I don't know whether it's like just spoiled brats on Twitter that have that have got this thing going and, and convinced people that like you, you, you know can what, just Andy? say FSG out and then they go and then somebody comes in that's magic. That's not how the world works, <laughs> Matt. You know. But here's, here's is, a better is one. Is that, that FSG out? Is that Wayne Stewart point spot on? And what I mean by policy on the screen, he says most of the clubs are leveraging more debt to their clubs to go out and buy players, and Liverpool aren't. Is that no, not most, not not most of them because most of them I would understand say a lot of them are leveraging F- debt. F- FFP is fucking dead, right? They aren't leveraging debt because they can get equity pushed into the owners, and there's no caps on what they're doing at this stage because they have to come up with a new system to FFP. Ours are still. We've built a model that's designed. Forget FFP. It's designed to be self-sustaining within the club's own commercial revenue streams. Right? PSG owners pushed in as much money as they want to sign whoever they want. Man City. It's the exact same thing. This in in this time. Right? United. The owners have pushed in whatever amount of money they put in, and they, but they probably put them in as a um, debt note on top of the club in terms of United piece because that's what they do. And they'll, they'll pay themselves an interest coupon off the back of the commercial revenues and take more money out. United. But the United fans won't care about it until they have to go and go on a march because they're not winning matches. Like it's just a bunch of. It, 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 I come back to it and say, our model is our model. We said here, most people, if you go back six months, would have been saying the FSG model is right. We just want them to spend a bit more. So instead of writing FSG out in your hashtags, put FSG spend. Change it to that because that's exactly what you want. FSG spend, FSG yeah. transfer. And I think. Do you know what I mean? I, I kind of look at it and like, there is loads of people in the chat and they're like livid with FSG, you know? Mm-hmm. And. But I think, like when I, when I genuinely look at it, and I'm 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 playing devil's advocate a bit here. I'm going to be honest with you because I'm quite open in the fact that when you do something good, great. When you do something bad, have a go at them. And in between, mm-hmm. what do you get? I'm I'm very open on that. You know, me and Andy have had loads of fucking rows over them mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But when I actually read through the comments and and even on social media or whatever, or even talking to just general Liverpool fans, and you know. It's actually when you when you break it all down, everybody wants the same thing. It's two players. Everybody wants the mm. same thing as two players. It's just 
what do you think should happen? How was saying, don't how was saying FSG out going to achieve that though? You know, no, just, that's what I'm saying. I, I think it, I think it's 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 not the actual two players that might be the issue. It's it's mm. what should happen if they don't sign the two. Like I think they should be questioned, and I think mm. it should be a case of why aren't we doing this mm. on a purely footballing side of things, not yeah. financial. And then I there's others that'll say, you know, just get them, get rid of them because they're just not doing it. Yeah, I think as well, um, comparing us with other teams of which have different objectives, who have big, bigger bridges to gap as well, uh, to the gap as well. Like you know, talking about Arsenal spending. Look, look at the state of Arsenal. They're not spending their way out of anything. You know, they're spending, 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 and they're probably going to finish mid table or bottom half. Like just as it's not a straightforward as that. We have got a very strong squad who's who, which is which is well capable of winning the league. You know, City went out and bought one player effectively um, in Grealish, spent a lot overpaid on him, player that doesn't really improve them, but he's just going to be another part of that system there, and they're going to be, and he's going to be good and and everything. And then Chelsea, they did need a Lukaku type of striker. They spent money on uh, Werner, who we are all like gone fucking nuts for, had a shite season, and now they've went back to kind of a bit of a, um, you know. <laughs> Lukaku probably fits what they need, but he's not he's not a hundred million pound player. And he's when when he left the Premier League he was a laughing stock. And now all of a sudden he's come back and people are behaving like he's he's the answer to everything. You know, we mm-hmm. have a squad there and, and a forced eleven which is probably better than most teams. You know, I don't think when you when you're comparing us with teams that are spending money on, they probably really, really do desperately need to. And when Liverpool did need a goalkeeper, they went out and bought, broke the world record for bought the best goalkeeper in the world, as we and we still have him for many years. And Virgil the same. You know what I mean? We needed we needed a player like uh, <coughs> Fabinho. They went out and did it. You know what I mean? Like th- th- there's going to come a time when Mane or Salah or one of the more important players of Spain will need to be replaced. And they have shown, in fairness to them, they have shown that they've done it when they need to do it. But right now, yeah, I agree. Like we probably need. Well, I I feel we need to just an upgrade in Origi, and we're good to go. And um, the rest in the in the midfield, I just think our weakness is the injuries, and that's probably going to mean saying goodbye to one of one of the midfielders. Well, Phil, Phil mentioned Phil mentioned earlier. Like, there's there's loads of stuff flowing in the chat about signing the next one and Z, and I get that. We all agree we need someone to come in. But it was mentioned earlier these contract renewals, right? Now, people don't like, don't want to take them into consideration. But can you imagine leaving Trent's contract run down because you want to sign, uh, you want to sign a backup for somebody, or you let another contract? Or you, sorry, you don't give them the new deal that the, the player is expecting. That the um, that that wouldn't be prudent, I don't think. Like it's good to tie these fellas down, tie the main people down in your squad to 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 the long term deals, get them sorted. So there's no ambiguity about oh he, he's he's uh, like Genie, he's a year left. Oh well, we should have we should have tied him down three years ago. Oh well, we couldn't because we wanted to we wanted to sign a backup or we wanted to sign a backup midfielder. Now listen, loads of people say you should be able to do both, but we're coming out of COVID. I don't fucking know the ins and outs of it, the financial at the club. I'm not an accountant, but I'm just saying it, there is something very very um, forward thinking and signing all your main fucking players down to new contracts. That's all. I I just think like. I know we started off with Michael Edwards, and I'm going to skip Pete's topic because he's not here to talk about it tonight, right? Um, because I was going to take it. <laughs> well, no, I'm going to skip it because I want I want this to lead into 
And for the next minutes started with this show. I know, yeah. but to be fair, it's 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 more for more from Michael Edwards into a conversation around the the structure in general, which it's it's always going to lead to because without Edwards, the question is, does the structure work? And even with Edwards there, the questions have been: should do we need more players? Are we leaving a too to too big a job to do next season or whatever season is to decide to rebuild? And I'm with Gav in that I think it is too big of a rebuild to be taken on. I think it's a foolish way to go about it because you'll actually end up further behind than where you need to be. Um, and my... my does my, that fall in clap, though? It, it does a bit, Andy, and people won't say this, but he's incredibly over-loyal in some instances to players, right? And mm. that comes down to... Like, he even said it that he wanted to keep Wijnaldum. Now, I was in favour of Wijnaldum going, but my, I was in favour of Wijnaldum going because I believed it was going to lead to a refresh in the, in the, in the midfield. Um, I've no issue mm. with them resigning Salah. I've no issue with them resigning... Um, Who's resigned for us? Allison, Van Dijk, Trent, Van Dijk, Trent, Trent, Robbo, Robbo. So, I'd, mm. and, and if we get Salah, I'd like I'd, for me. I would. I I think the big thing for them is that they were thought there would be would have been a market available for Mane either this summer or last summer, and because of COVID, there hasn't been the hundred million market they were probably expecting. And I hate saying this, but it is part of the model. They were probably expecting to get a hundred million in for for one of them. And would have used that to accelerate the rebuild in terms of what it is. And that's how they've operated. And I've no issue with that because that's how it's operated. And if I can get 150 million in and spend 150 million, I'm fucking brand new. I'm brand new. I, right? I think if it if it does go to next summer, I would be of the opinion that Mane should be the Origi upgrade and someone should be brought into the starting eleven. Yeah. And that's sort of the pitch. Mm-hmm. That's if, if it does go to next summer. Because yeah, that fair. would that would be that would be my thinking of it. I'd like someone yeah. now. But if it does go out the next summer, that's the way I would be thinking but of it. The thing for me in midfield, we've got Thiago who's over 30, we've Henderson now who's over 30 who we're going to rely on. We've got Milner who's over 30 who we're going to who we've relied on up until now. And as as myself and Gav have agreed on this on numerous times, this was the year to get your two in so that you had them embedded, you had them embedded in the style and you have you have your long term replacements already sitting in there learning how to play the game the way we want them yeah, to play. You take it over two a year. That's yeah. the way I thought of it. Two a year because yeah. If you if, if you tell me that Kanate comes in and on top of Kanate you're going to reshape this squad with four new players over the next twelve months, I think most people would be absolutely delighted with that. I just I just worry on oh, the money loss is no argument. There's no money mm-hmm. argument on it. it's it's policy for me. And I think clubs are out there, I think they are leveraging debt, I think they are just getting taking loans and going, Listen, we'll fuck it all at it because we'll make it back when things get back to normal because there's so much money in the game. But I I just look at, at us going there's no way I find it very hard to believe that we didn't look at that squad and go lads we need two or three and then next season if that goes to four or five which it will because of an agent squad players that we don't want running down contracts and we'll probably sit happily for another year unless we get rid of them for pittance or Origi um, I just think it's a very hard job to do next summer unless they're willing to put a serious amount of money up and I don't yeah. I'm not too sure if they get and, but the, the other bit is that they've obviously with this structure that, that Edwards, and I'll just finish off because it brings it back to Edwards, the structure that, that Edwards put in place, how to value on every player they'd look at as a target. If it goes above a certain value, they're not interested in signing them, right? Um, that's what happened. That's how we ended up with Salah instead of Julian Brandt. The story's in it, in, in it today, okay? The thing is, though, that model is being used by a number of other clubs. If we look at West Ham's recruitment, they've employed the exact same statistical model Liverpool have over the last four years um, in a shorter time frame. And you can see that they've been picking up the players that we had been picking up before we got to the position where we were winning things again. Okay. So you got a question now, what's the next evolution of that transfer 
methodology and data-driven transfer methodology. And maybe that's why the club are happy to let Edwards go because they want to bring in the next brain, the next one with the intelligence who brings a little change or a new level of data sophistication in there that gives them the edge in the transfer market again. And there's a genuine question that if that's how we're being, if that's how the system works, which we know it is, then maybe it's time for the for the the next revolution of the system or the next evolution of the system, and not just the players as well, because the system has to be right to con- to continue to main- maintain success with the way we do. And um, there was some super chat there. I don't know what what it was. Something about FSG. Oh, it's, it's gone off the screen there, but um... I, don't, I don't understand what the point there was. Started contradicting itself. Yeah. On so, one hand, he was saying they bought. Thanks uh, for the super chat. On one hand, he was saying they bought Jota, Thiago and uh, Canate in the last 12 months. And then he was saying that he's emotionally drained because we don't spend the same amount as Arsenal. Yeah. Like that's three that, That's three starters you're talking mm-hmm. about there uh, in 12 months. You know, so maybe... Well, can I just say, the, just say the, that, that Mbappe, Real Madrid, Real Madrid have pulled out of the Mbappe signing. They're not interested in signing him, which means that um, Klopp has now lodged the bid for Mbappe and Mbappe will be signed tomorrow. So everyone just needs to remember that. So when we're all losing the plot. Right, moving along, and I think it's 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 a valid way of moving this on. Um on which way am I gonna go with this? Um to Shane on the impact of personal circumstances on players' form, right? Um I think you this is led by what happened with Allison in the middle of last season. And it's the human element of football, especially when we're talking about um, Roberto Firmino and we're talking about now in terms of three months we've talked about Fabinho in terms of his performance mm. since, since uh, when he was back in um, and also it's the non-data side to the game it's the, it's, it's, it's the emotional part which you can't replicate on any statistical model because you don't know what's going to happen in a person's life so where do you want to go with this in terms of the, oh, the d- listen it's, listen. this isn't going to be a, a 45 minute like, like, what, like, like what the other one does and you can see it's in the chat it's all it's, it's all um, it's a, he's, he's gone for a run with Pete. Um, it's all, it's all it's all flowing down in the FSGO and it's all transfer. Uh, you know, it's all transfers as as usual. But listen, this just came off the back of kind of I watched the, obviously watched the game Saturday. Fabinho was a bit off it, which is fine. It happens in games. You don't play well, but then it just kind of dawned on me. Well, listen, the fella's father passed away like a week ago. And do we expect too much from these lads? Do we never ever ever think that? What's going on in their personal lives? Um, like everybody is different. What way? What way would a player respond? Like you've already, we had the instance of Klopp last year, and his mother. He wasn't able, obviously, to get back um, for a funeral or anything like that. He was obviously visibly shaking. A lot of people put it down to the lack of fans. I'm sure that was a reason of it as well. But also, the man lost his mother, and he wasn't able to grieve. He wasn't able to go home. Um, Henderson played a, a, a big chunk of his career at Liverpool with his father suffering from cancer. So all the, the topic just kind of dawned on me today, thinking about Fabinho's performance being a bit off, which is fine. Some players come at a different angle. I read an article today from a bit from Bellamy's book when he spoke about Gary Speed committing suicide. He was very close to him. And his first game back was Chelsea in the League Cup the year that we won the League Cup. And he went out and he said he was unplayable. He said the Liverpool fans sang Spade's name at the, uh, before the game. He got upset and he just went out and was like a man possessed. And he was unplayable. Two assists, we won the game 2-0. So listen, I don't know what you lads think. Do you think, that, like, like I said, it's, 
the, everything everything now particularly is all about transfers and who can we get in and this fella is shy, that fella, that fella is shy, should be, Michael Edwards is gone, FSG out, FSG spent, just, sometimes the human, we just don't know what's going on, players, uh, personal lives that can lead to them, maybe with a bad run of form, or anything like that, and I just thought, just dawned on me really with Fabinho, he's absolutely an unbelievable, I love him, he's absolutely an unbelievable player, one of the first names in the team, she, a class act, and uh, didn't have a great game, but it's to be expected, his father passed away, so I don't know what you lads think. 100%. Davo, I think we get caught up a lot in the whole materialistic side of football, talking about shiny new signings and making demands. And um, I find it far more interesting to look at the, the players that are there and what's making them tick and what's, you know, the psychological uh, psychology behind it and how tight the group were. And if you look at last season, you don't just have no fans there um, to, you know, to drag the players on. Um, you know, you don't just have the whole thing with <clears throat> the injuries and no pre-season and Klopp not getting to do what he needs to do. But so much tragedy came to the players. <clears throat> you know, Alison's mm-hmm. father passing away, um, Klopp's mother passing away, um, you know, all of that sort of stuff. It doesn't disrupt, just disrupt the players. I mean, the players are coming in and it's a, you know, it must be a really poor atmosphere when these guys, who are only human at the end of the day, um, it, it's, 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 it's very, very difficult to, for them to pick themselves up and they're miles and miles away from the family and their loved ones. Um, so, yeah, I, everything that could have went wrong, you know, and all of that stuff was real life stuff there last year. And we're, and we're talking about, um, dips and farm. You know, Mane, you know, God knows what was going on in Mane's mind when he was, when he was, uh, uh, his form fell off a cliff and he's, he's come out and he's being honest about it. Look, they, this is a, God forbid, like, you know, hopefully nothing like that happens this season and the players can get back into where they were. Um, but like we're talking, talking about all these things like, like signings, it, it kind of puts a bit of perspective on it there, what you're saying. Oi. Gav, I, I found it very hard to um, assess Fabinho after the game the other day. You know, in normal circumstances, I look at Fabinho because I thought he would have been key. In normal circumstances, he would have been key, particularly the way Chelsea played through Arsenal the weekend before, where Arsenal didn't do anything to protect their, their, their back two. And I'm not saying Van Dijk and Matip need massive protection, but simply just cutting off passing lanes and not letting the ball get into Lukaku because what they want is Lukaku to get a touch, get out of his feet and look for Mount and Havertz and whoever else is moving. So, under normal circumstances, Fabinho would be huge in that because he does it brilliantly. He spots this stuff all the time. He cuts it out. He doesn't give Lukaku a chance to get on the ball and stuff. And Do you know what? I didn't think Lukaku was any good the other day. I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was any good. I didn't, didn't think he had any real impact. But I kind of found it hard to assess Fabinho. And the reason being is not because I didn't pay attention to him because... When you look at a guy like that playing football a week after his father dies, who's in another country, it's similar to what happened with Klopp and his mother. It has to be so hard. I'm trying to think, like, even for argument's sake, say if I lived in America and my mother, I'm, and I'm even going to a daily job, you know, is hard. And I know they have a brilliant job in what they do, but to go out and have the whole world looking at them on a Saturday evening in a huge, huge Premier League game and 
and being away from the majority of his family, he can't go home, can't do this. I think it's so fucking hard. And, and I said it to you before the show, I, I, I kind of can't understand why clubs don't just turn around and go, listen, if you have a bereavement like that, you're out for three weeks. A bit like, you know, you know, like if you get COVID and you're gone for 10 days, a bit like that, mm-hmm. a bit like literally it's mandatory that you're gone for two weeks out of this club and we don't care about results. Well, we do, but we don't care as much as your well-being. Now, you will get a lot of players come back and go, listen, the best thing I can do is play football. It takes my mind off and stuff like that. But I think it's very hard to assess players when that sort of thing happens to them. And, and like Klopp last year, you know, you could see Klopp you know, change significantly for me in that period last year. Like significantly, though, his demeanour, the way he carried on, the way he, uh, even the way, even, even the way he looked when he was listening to questions. You know, it was nearly like he was away with the fairies at times, you know, the sort of way. And, and that's completely understandable. So I think, I think the human element is, is sometimes lost, Shane. And for me, not even give them a break. I think it's just a case of that's probably best for them in their mind to come on and play against Chelsea on Saturday. But you're probably better off not assessing what they're doing on the pitch. And if they do things good, great, it builds them up. If they do things bad, you just turn around and you say to yourself, he lost his father. <laughs> like, who gives a fuck about Liverpool against Chelsea on Saturday evening? That's just the way I feel about it. I think it's shy. They're paid hundreds of thousands of euros a week. You should just turn up, turn up and play. It's a job. Well, that's if, you want hugs, if, you want, if you want hugs and kisses, stay at home. Right. Right, that 100, 150 grand, end the topic. End the topic. Right, there's no human element to football. The robots, they're expected to turn up, perform, do their job. It's a job. It's a business. Do it. Right, there's lots of time for hugs and kisses afterwards. I'm waiting for the punchline here. I'm genuinely. There is none. There is none. There is none. Okay. So no, just I think I think if you're going to use the emotions as an excuse to for why you're playing shite. Then you shouldn't be able no, to. No, I didn't. Focus. No, you see, I'm missing the point now because it's a human element. It's not about football. What I'm saying is, and, and somebody says there in the chat, are you mad? Like, people get three days of work. It's not enough. If you lose a, a, a family, significant family member to you, and you're given three days of work as standard, it's an absolute joke. It's a fucking joke, and that's the end of it. I don't care what you're in. What I'm saying to you is, in, in, with a footballing sort, side of things, Fabinho's probably turning around and saying to himself, I want to play. It takes my mind off it. Davo mentions there, Bellamy goes and wants to play and does and plays really well. All I'm saying is, whether he plays well or not, I wouldn't be assessing that player and I probably wouldn't be assessing him next week either. And but the bigger thing, bigger thing for me with Fabinho is that it's always taken him two or three games to get up to speed. Yeah. When he's coming back after a while. Okay, so we're now going to You're compare. just... You're actually just the bollocks being, now. Yeah, edgy, edgy Irvine, edgy Guerrero. That's now. all he's doing yeah, now. He completely is. It's all that bollocks. Um, I, amongst, uh, amongst all that nonsense he's going on with there, he did make a very valid point. And when Fabino comes back into the team, it does tend to take him a few games. To me, it wasn't just his head not in the game. He did look physically not in the game. I thought he just wasn't himself. He wasn't as mobile. When he was on the ball, he wasn't as clinical. Like, you know, his passing is normally a lot better. And then he, he normally does defend up a bit higher in the pitch. I think he's more comfortable defending up higher in the pitch. Playing against Chelsea, you're going to be a bit more cagey. Um, so, look, yeah, Gavi, you're dead, right? It's very hard to assess that performance. Um, I wouldn't. Based on the type of game it was, where he was coming from mentally. And then it is for being who's just coming back into the team as well. well look... I think there's more. If you're going to go down to human element of football, honestly, right? Um, it's it's not just deaths, right? Births of children, 
affect players as well. And that just gets glossed over because it impacts, as soon as you go away from the football pitch, it's, it's impacting every step of your life from that, that point on. Because as, as every one of us knows that's on screen here, we've all got kids. You know that's like trying to sleep at night. Suddenly, where these lads not have here. sleep routines and everything like that, right? That that gets impacted. If we're talking about the human... I dread, I dread <coughs> when I see a young player having their first kid. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like fucking hell. <laughs> you know, but, you just know. But the performance coming. Uh, you're, Phil, you're, you're, spot, you're spot on there. It, it isn't only bereavements and stuff like that. Yeah, the likes of, look at um, Simicast there when he arrived mm-hmm. last time. I, d- I don't know uh, his his status, his regards, girlfriend, wife, like that. His Instagram stuff actually he put up. His, he, he was actually over the moon when his dog got out of quarantine and his dog was here with him. But he, he's, he's over here on his own. He gets COVID. He gets injured. Obviously, COVID protocols in the club, he was probably going in his own when everyone was gone home to rehab the injury. Then he was going back to an apartment or a house or whatever and sitting there fucking twiddling his tongues looking at the far walls like that obviously that stuff has to take a toll at some stage for a player and it's it's one of the reasons I, I know you were the same as me Phil very excited to see what he was going to bring to the table this year and it's been very promising yeah. so far so listen it's look you, you are my point is you are spot on it isn't just only bereavements there's a, there's a lot of other things that uh, affect I it th- as well I think it's interesting that that that, that my, my stance inflamed people in the chats. Yeah, it's interesting because if you go back less than 12 months, the amount of times that people use the thing, he's earning X amount a week, he should be able to do this and he should be able to do that. Yeah, if you mention it against the bereavement, people get, a, get go up in arms about it. This is what, like, human element is not just about... Death. Sorry, Phil. Red, 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 Steve, Red Steve Gav has to be Paul Brennan's borner. <laughs> <laughs> About ox, uh, <laughs> it's affected him for three years. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's and it's not just bereavements, right? It's not just bereavements. It's not just births. There's more things as well that's going on. It's like it's the normal run today. Look, look at look at look at people when they talk about mental health, etc., on football and and how it's how it's impact their games or how it impacts their ups and downs when it comes to this. Like the, the human element of football is probably the biggest, the last barrier to performance. And that's why they have sports psychologists. Remember we had Dr. Peters there when we had Pasco and the nappies and everything going on at the, when, when Brendan <laughs> Rogers was there, right? So like, and they, they said that Peters was there to, to for the, the team to get over the hump of being able to achieve what it can do, right? So there's clear, you see, there's as much money being spent on sports psychologists by those professionals. Um, and outside of their club stuff on a private basis to make sure that they're in peak condition. Most top athletes will talk that they have their own spe- have they have a team of of people around them. You know, it's 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 not just about what the club provides them. It's how they have their own entourage to do what it's doing. So, like again, for me, the human element is the last unquantifiable barrier that no sports science department in. In, in the data-driven world can pick up on because they don't know what's going to happen next in a person's life. They can't quantify what's gone on in, in the course of a week. Fuck, a marriage could break down. Look at Lofren. Fella never missed a header in his life until, Magic, it, yeah. until, 
till that went on. And everyone was on. Like, you think about the amount of abuse that he got when all that stuff was going on, right? Mm-hmm. And you realize that that, 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 that doesn't happen. That isn't just a bereavement. That goes on for months because the fallout from that takes place over a year, a year and a half. We saw with Alison, the impact is over two or three months, and then he finds a way back to finding his form and his joy again in football, right? Whereas other stuff goes on for much longer and can impact the player's form and his mental state for a much longer time as well. So I think, Shane, when we talked about the Michael Edwards approach and the approach that FSG have, this is the one part that they can't quantify, injuries and this. And that's really... Mm -hmm. That's really the last barrier to ultimately being able to have a fully uh, robot-style football Robots. team, which you're never, yeah, which are, which are never going to have. You're never going to have. It's, it's the human element. It is the human. It's the last great barrier to, to figure out what's going I on. I think that's a great point by Paul Scouts or Tommy who says it's the same sort of stuff that Tacky had to go through. How it must have impacted him must be mind-blown because he, mm. of course, turns up at the club and we're in a month. The whole world is in lockdown. He's on his own mm-hmm. in England. Um, and like literally it's it's been well documented that literally he turned up and it was like, What? Can't see me teammates, can't see anybody, new city, on my own, like as a young man. I think mm. I think that's that's a thing as well. The whole bedding mm. in thing. Um you know, a lot is made of it at times, but then other times you think not just the bedding into the formation and the tactics and the things around the club, but when you see someone like um Minamino turning up and literally being told you're staying in that house over there and you're not allowed out and you're not allowed to go anywhere see anybody and literally all he had was zoom calls for about four months that that must have been hard as well mm. Mm. will you read mm. out that guy's super chat please gav what guy's super chat the one who said he was unsubscribing because oh, oh yeah we've had a couple he, he wanted to unsubscribe because it's there was a problem with the super chats they usually show up in big colourful writing they weren't showing up so I was missing them I've tried to get to them as many as, as I can I'll um, I'll read them all out at the end if you want I'll, I'll get them all up but they won't be relevant at the end I'm just that, that's just something that happened on my end that wasn't Shawnee Lawson is saying there Spurs have become the first club in England to hire a mental health coach they should hire one for the fans as well um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, right I want to I, I want to use this as a bridge to jump off because it, it sort of comes around because it's it, it and your topic is um ex LFC players as pundits and it's interesting because pundits can have such a severe impact on fans human humans uh, approach to football and everything that they think see and do because I know that with Gary Neville um recently and um, people have suddenly realised that he's he's the greatest load of cockshite that the world has ever mm. seen, and is basically just there to get as much money as he can in our pockets. Um, so, Andy, you're, you want to focus though on ex LFC players who are now p- pundits, and uh, I, I actually don't know where this is going, so I'm, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it. I don't to- know. I don't know myself. Uh, I know Sean. Sean, made two good uh, uh, comments there that it's quite closely related about um, retirement being difficult for a lot of players. So. You have a lot of ex-players involved in punditry that just aren't suitable for the job. It's crazy. And then the one about, um, what else did he say? Remind me. He said there's a load of technical directors in the, the chat. Oh, sorry, sorry. It was, uh, it was about sports, horror, and uh, mental, health, mental coach. health coach. Well, that, that wouldn't impress Danny Murphy, would it? Because um, <laughs> I, I was uh, I was on a uh, Twitter having a little moan about Danny Murphy and his comments on Talksport about getting rid of specialist coaches because 
the regular coaches should be able to do it all. And it surprised me because he's a player who who was kind of there when football was evolving and changed and all these sort of things that gave uh, football teams a competitive edge were coming in. You know, and at that level, any any edge can make a big difference. Uh, anyway, my good friend on Twitter uh, who's been watching the show since day one, Ray Kennedy, uh, pulled me up and said, more or less said, don't be giving X red stick and and I, as a top red it did feel I, I was breaking some of sort of code of conduct but uh I, actually it's just more disappointing that we have to endure so many of our ex-players make hits of themselves you know like it kind of ruins the the fairy tale that these guys are all sound like we had to endure McManaman commentating against Burnley uh playing down their Burnley players dragging out the Liverpool players like as if he was some sort of hard man himself and then you have Carragher who's quality on Liverpool channels but when he, on Sky he's pandering down all this shit about Liverpool won't win the league and if you want to take an alternative escape and watch some of the American channels you have to endure Steve Nickel going on like a complete and utter spacer um, and look I know they have to be impartial but like I just prefer when an ex-player is honest and, you know, expresses their proper views, like Sionis is the best boy at Country Moyle. Like he, he supports Liverpool, but he's still impartial, you know? And I have to say, Redknapp, for all his fence-sitting um, and is kind of, uh, you know, he never really commits to an opinion. I thought he was excellent when he called out Gary Neville for the hypocrisy uh, and left to doing goldfish impressions. Um, his game we respect for a season because somebody needed to call Neville out on his bullshit and uh, it was good it was good to see Redknapp doing that um, so I'll just throw it to the floor like does it does it ruin the fairy tale for you when you see X-Reds going on like idiots you know like a couple of others that spring to mind are Lawrence and her man two other saps like can and I just say Gerard, when, well no, I was just going to say with Lawrence and um it's got, I'm going to struggle with this because I'm, I'm completely turned off by pundits and punditry in, in, in general. It's not just Liverpool pundits. There's not one who's worth listening to. They're all sacks of shit, right? They're, they're basically no, just there, poison. there is. There is, to be fair. Sionis, I think, is excellent. I, I, I really is, do think he's excellent. Sionis was great when he was on Irish television. But I will say about Lawrence, and I, I was looking at something there the other day, and I just my head popped up. There was no sound on, which is great. So I don't know what he was talking about. So it could have been still the same Lawrence and Muck that, that he normally talks about. But he looks a lot healthier since they took all his jobs away from him. He, he looks happier in himself, and that's good because yeah. he looked he'd gone very grey and hated football. Like literally hate football. When he used to be on commentator, it was just like he really just hated being there. Mark, he still, the he still does today FM, he still does the radio. That's not doesn't real, he? though. That's not real, Andy. Yeah, he's Lawrence just... is on LFC TV now, isn't he? Is I'm he? Sure, he is. Yeah, I'm t- I think he's. Um, well, maybe that's why. Maybe, on that. maybe that's why he's so happy, Gav, because he just looks genuinely happy again. He looks, he looks healthy, and he looks happy again. And I was delighted to see that because he was such a great player for us. So it was just, it was just good to see him. That's all I want to say uh, on that. Just, just when you mentioned Lawrence in there, we just. I'd, I'd give you that update on how, how he's looking these days because I think it's important to look well when you're a But do you not think? Do you not think? You know, before Cardigar done his whole spitting incident, he was a, he was a lot better. Like I mean, I, I recall the the whole when we when we beat Everton in the last seconds of the game and he was screaming, you know, 
the house down and look at Jürgen Klopp when he was running onto the pitch. Like that's going to irritate other fans, fair enough, because he's he's clearly supporting Liverpool while he's watching the game. But it's more honest. You know what I mean? This idea of being super anti-Liverpool well, just because you you know you don't want everyone saying that you're biased is ridiculous. I think. I mean, I, I just I just love watching Aldo shouting his head off for LFC TV and, and the other the other the radio stuff he does and Meller when he's on and even Gerard when he's done a bit of uh, TV. You know, that's a far sooner them, just be honest. They're, they're on, football Gav. fans. What are we gonna say, Gav? They are football fans. I think um Chris Nicholson nails it for me. He says just about every pun that comes across is idiotic, starving for relevance. And I think that's a massive issue. I'm not saying all of them are starving for relevance. Are they though? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think they are, Andy. I think the world we live in today now, relevance is a massive thing. Um, you know, when you think back, like you were talking ex-Liverpool players, Hanson famously said you don't win anything with kids and he's been slaughtered with it for about 25 years since, right? But Hanson was very, very good at what he'd done because yeah. he broke down. He broke down a game. He looked at it. He went over it. He, he'd show you defensive analysis and stuff like that. And he was made famous by something that he said because it was his opinion. Now when I look at some people, they're only saying things because they know what the reaction is going to be. You know the sort of way? And uh, Like, you you know this, I don't watch a lot of um, pre- and post-match stuff on any channel when Liverpool are playing. I literally turn around as it's kicking off and when it's over, I knock it off. I go out, I go out and do something else at half-time. I don't sit around and listen to them. But uh, with regards to Liverpool pundits, um, some of them can be very biased, and that's just built into them. There's nothing you can do. Like um, Carragher's bias has disappeared for me over the last while, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes it's not. Um, I'm not a f- massive fan of McManaman. Um, I always felt Ronnie Whelan hated Liverpool, right? And I have <laughs> yeah, this right. thing in my head, right? And and not hated Liverpool, but I tell you, he always seemed to, no matter what he was commentating on with regards to Liverpool, he would always <laughs> seem to nearly be disgusted at Liverpool because they weren't as good as the Liverpool that he used to play for. He wasn't in the moment. Mm. He was like, oh, these aren't as good as when I played. Well, no, you played one of the best teams you've ever seen. You know, sort of way. But overall, I think, I know it's a Liverpool-based pundit thing, but overall on pundits, my feel pundits is, it's it's saying stuff for the sake of saying stuff. You know, it's, it's engaging with stuff because it's all about engagement now. You know, and I, I, I'll put it this way. You see more and more pundits, right, being clipped, as they call it, and put on the internet <clears throat> for outrageous stuff, they say, rather than, oh, he's at the breaking that move down really well, or he's at the breaking that player down really well. You don't see that anymore, Andy. It's all about, he yeah. said something ridiculous. And all we're talking about with Gary Neville right now is not what he's you see two years ago you, with Gary Neville it was all about you see him on Monday night and he broke down how this team done this and this team done that, and he was really good don't get me wrong really good but now all we talk about with Gary Neville is clips about let's get a clip about what he thinks about Manchester United can United win the league because he hasn't stopped doing this social media stuff where he keeps going on about it and that's where that's where it's got to I don't think that pundits anymore at all that's being honest with you. I think, I think you're right there, Gav, about them kind of not being pundits. So a pundit should be breaking down things in the game that maybe we, we can't see. And it's and, and that goes for um, co-commentary as well. Like we've all been to games and the difference looking at a game when you're in Anfield or whatever stadium you're in 
compared to watching it on the telly is chalk and cheese. You see so much more going on because of the angle that you have and so much more in the game. The problem is, like what you said, is that they get clipped. It's I hate using the word clickbait. I hate using it, but it is all about uh, traffic, social media traffic, and uh, and all that online stuff. And that's what that's what these big companies want. I think I like Sionis. I think he's one of one of the better ones. I I, I think when Neville and Carragher are breaking down a game and tactics and they're going through it, which is excellent, rather than the the fucking the Liverpool United niggle that was was good was good at the start, but it wore off very quick. Um, I like Sionis, but I actually, I, I actually don't mind. It's probably I don't know if it's popular or whatever like that. I think some of the women that have come into the game are actually quite good. I think your one off BT Karen Carney is actually very good. She's the one that got a bit of stick from the Leeds fans that time over saying something. There was a bit of a there was a bit of a pile on, but particularly cold commentary. I've heard her a few times with BT, and I think she's very very good. So listen, I, I think all you need is all you want is somebody to break things down in a game that you you, you you can't see yourself, and I don't think there's enough of that anymore, really. I fully agree. I think Andy, I think pundit Sarah Sakashi. I honestly do. I, like if they bring no insight to the game, they add nothing to it. There's they're not pundits because they're not providing an insight. Their other there is to is to sell a product, right? There used to be a time when they were there to explain what was going on because you didn't have twenty four seven coverage, you didn't have social media, you didn't have people who were producing their own um, insights and coaching and stuff like that, which allowed the normal supporter to be able to get more educated if he wants to go that deep on it, right? Um, <clears throat> so the insight that these fellows offer is generally less than what you can get outside of the game, and the ones who have something intelligent or are versed in what's going on are generally employed by a football club and they aren't acting as a pundit on the television because they're doing analysis for for their own club and they don't want to share it with what's going on. Um I wouldn't like uh, watch a game. Watch it, don't bother like what are, what are you gonna learn off a pundit? Why you even bother? It'll just frustrate you. And I think what happens is when we see X <clears throat> I think the fans also have a mis mis misunderstanding that an ex player should only be um should be in 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 unison with the fans' voice, forgetting for the forgetting the fact that it's a profession in terms of what they're doing on the television, and they're there to sell that channel. They're not there to sell in insights or or resource on the game. They're basically just there to sell that soundbite to sell something mad that's going to draw people in online. Like talk show is is built around people saying ridiculously fucking stupid things, so as that people retweet it and they get their banner all across Twitter. Like they have a fella's head who's about to explode someday um, on Halloween. Your man, Alan Brazil. Did you ever see the size of his head? It's, it's immense. It's like this big joint red thing that, that looks like it's a tomato, right? And they have Danny, is it Danny Mills? Danny Murphy? They're the same person, aren't they? They just literally talk the most drony load of cabbage that you'll ever see in your life. Um, and you're better not, better off not watching it. Better off not listening to it because eventually it turns your brain into chewing gum. Um, and you, you you think that they make sense? So uh, <clears throat> when it comes to LFC pundits, like I, you know, I've absolutely no time for any of them. I can't think of one. Neil Mellor is probably the one, but he's he hasn't been on mainstream television, and we know him, and he's a really nice bloke, and we've talked to him on on these podcasts. So I like Neil Mellor, so I'll give him mm. a big thumbs up. Neil so, Mellor is good. Cool. Yeah, the Ray Hudson. Ray Hudson. That's that the American, the mad. Um, 
Jordy fella that yeah. was on the American stuff. Poker says he's the Sid with the L of football. Yeah, right. But Don't again, these are these are fellas. These are fellas that aren't mainstream. Well, they're mainstream. Ray Hudson's mainstream in in in, in America, right? But like. They're, they're not normally seeing blokes. They're blokes who are there and have been adding colour. I'm not saying they're pundits. They're colour. They're the colour commentator. So you have the guy who's commentating the game. Ray Hudson is the one coming in with mad stuff that's going on. So, like, you know, most of the pundits you see on the television are just part of the little English mentality that goes on. I got that one in for you, Gav. The, the, in you terms of what, what you're yeah, listening you to. Like, why would you have somebody like uh, Jermaine Jenis on the television? Why would you have a Paul Ince on the television? What relevance to modern football do these guys have? It's the same, I have the same issue with, with the likes of John Giles and stuff when they were on. They're Morris not long out of the game, though, Phil. Like, you know, Ince was only managing and Genus wasn't, wasn't playing too long ago. It's, what, what was, it's what was, bizarre, ma- what was bizarre, Ince managing? Because, yeah, I don't know, but still, like, better than what we, what we were managing. Um, but, like, it, it's just bizarrely off the, off the mark. And look, I completely understand. Like, talk sport is all about the clicks and the sound bites and the stupidity. Um, a lot of Sky is, you know, especially Neville stuff, like talking about politics and kind of creeping into uh, subjects which are contentious that are just going to get people going mad. But, like, what's Danny Murphy's agenda? Like, that, Danny Murphy that my, is still that annoyed upset me way that more than I should have. Told him. I'm telling you, yeah, Danny Murphy here. is still he upset a, that Rafa sold Liverpool... Liverpool were good to him, and he he was good to Liverpool. He got some important goals, particularly against United and whatever, and we enjoyed him. But I I really don't understand why what his issue is. He could easily come on and still have the same effect by being the biggest boyish bollocks ever. He's trying to go the other way. Liverpool. He's trying to go too far the other way. That's yeah, it's stupid. It's it's ridiculous. Like yeah, you know, but it's, but this whole even... thing about a throw in. Like Liverpool are the ones who are notoriously famous for having this throw in coach. And he, he specifically brought that up. Like, like what is he doing, doubting Jurgen Klopp and his methods? But it's not even that. Like, he, it he, was, he went on about an Aston Villa um, set-piece coach and Aston Villa scored from a set-piece. And then Janus, um, in the same breath, is is telling you that he's watched the Liverpool-Bournley game and didn't see anything in the game whatsoever that was over-physical from Bournley when Klopp had clearly pointed them out in three different separate specific incidents. Hmm. You know, they, they're not watching the game. Like, and then Leeds said the same thing about Bournley this week. Yeah, it's... Just it's yeah, it's... it's Look, it's, I'm telling you, like, Liverpool and Manchester United in particular, if you say something anyway controversial about those two, you're on a winner. That's that's simple as that. Because nobody nobody triggers more um, around the world in sports media... or in football media than Liverpool and Manchester United. If you say something controversial about either of them, their manager, their squad, whatever it might be, you're guaranteed you're going to get, like you said, you're going to get clicks, you're going to get people reading your articles, you're going to get people reacting. And that's what they want. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And and like, I, somebody says there, Roy Keane is brilliant. Roy Keane is brilliant for me because he's brutally fucking honest. Now, there is times where I think it's starting to slip where they're trying to make a bit of a fucking mockery at times, you know, this time and meet Michael Richards thing. But then I watch, I watch the interview with him and Neville and Neville is saying, mm. people don't know you off screen. How good a laugh you are. You love, you love going out for a drink. And, you know, you, during your playing days, you were, you were like a manager in the dressing room. But at the same time, you were lying to Alex Ferguson about having 20 bottles of beer down the pub. You said you only had 10. You know, the sort of thing you covered for lads. So, and I do kind of worry when I see what Sky tried to do with him and Mika Richards. And all right, it's lighthearted and I get that. 
but they're trying to paint him in a different way. But if you look at Roy Keane as a Manchester United man, true and true, he lashes Manchester United when he needs to. He lashes them. And he, mm, and he, yeah. and he praises Liverpool when he needs to. Cause he's, he, like in particular, I remember him, um, I think Liverpool beat United at, at, at Anfield and he literally just turned around and went, they're brilliant. They're absolutely fucking brilliant at football. Mm. And that United, so that miles off them and went through them. And I like that. I do like that about Roy Keane. Yeah. But I do worry about times when I like it just him. starts to, they're turning the dial on him a little bit, and then you kind of go, well, okay, I need to knock okay. I, look, I, I honestly like him. I look, and he does lash United, you're, you're dead right. Um, but at times over the last few years, especially since Kane has got involved in television, it's been a bit of a low-hanging fruit um, man, to, to bash United. Like, there's for the team that he watched playing, there's so many imposters out there. You know, n- not now, they're getting a lot better, but, but like... It must have drove him absolutely crazy to see passengers out there who who weren't playing for the short. And you know, you liking him to you know, our Gerard or Sunas, like you know, I mean, they they be equally as aggravated when they were watching Paulson and other imposters like Kinchesky playing. And I'd, I'd completely forgive them for lashing in there, but it's just it's just weird at the moment like that. All these pundits who watched us win the league just a year ago in the Champions League, two years ago. Um, are so quick to to criticise and and put it in and sort of put doubt that and say that this team is finished. You know, it's just bizarre. Uh, for me, for me, I think they should get get rid of all the pundits. I think they should stop yeah, calling them pundits. They're not analysts. They're not pundits, and they should just focus on colour. Right. The one. The reason why Dunphy. Brady and Giles were perfection on Irish TV for so long was because nobody paid any attention to their analysis of the game because it was rubbish, right? We were just there to see the rows that they had amongst themselves, right? <laughs> like, let's be honest about it. it was, and we wanted to see what outrageous thing. It was colour. It was colour. It was adding colour to the broadcast. It was bringing something. You wanted to see a row in a pub like your mates at halftime, and that's what we were getting. Right, and that's and that's that's literally what it was. And I think they need to get away from this idea of giving us analysis because they're not going to be able to. They, they, they can't. The fellas that they're asked to do analysis couldn't analyze their way home, right, they, without Google Maps. This is where we need to get away and get the most entertaining personalities. In yeah, but you're on a, you're you're on a t- you're on a toy <laughs> rope then because you're you're going down the route of the people you're looking at now, and you're kind of going. He's only he's only here to be fucking say something to be laughed at or you know the sort of way where I know where you're coming from anyone that's never seen uh, Giles Dunphy and um, Giles Dunphy Brady, Brady, Brady on, on Irish uh, television go on YouTube some of the stuff it was genuine what they were doing they were just three old men getting really fucking agitated with each other all <laughs> the time but it wasn't done it was done in an era where only the people watching on the telly would see it it wouldn't be across social media it wouldn't be across anything um, but now you're kind of getting that, but you're, it's 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 kind of nearly like it's scripted, and that's where I think people have the issue with them as well. And none of them can say a negative thing about anything they're trying to sell, and that drives me mad. Nobody talks about what's going on. It's look at the end of the day, and he says about the LFC pundits. In reality, they're no more, no better, and no worse than the rest that's out there. Um, I just think it's 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 horrible, and I wouldn't allow my brain to, to melt it. So I'd be like, nah, bin 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 punditry, 
it's got no place in modern day football. Get fans in to punch the head off each other instead. That would be much. Everyone seemed to enjoy that when I you know, can't believe fans. they got rid of that. Do you remember they used to have the fan cam and the two the fans out? Yeah, it was mm. it was amazing. Yeah, yeah was that was good. amazing because it was just two normal lads sitting there. I don't know if they would have a drink, and it was like a goal goes in, be jumping up and be bleeding, slapping fellas in the head and all. You know, like because you got a goal and stuff. I, I t- I t- it was a brilliant idea. I don't I t- know why they got rid of it. I tell you what, Phil. You should get Tony Romo over and just do get yes. him to do get get him to do the commentary with Tyler. Yeah, that that that'll be that'll be some good stuff. Not not Tyler, not Tyler. Please, I like if 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 I turn something on and he's on it, I'll find another channel that's showing it. Tyler, that have one. yeah, I can't. No, nah, he's the worst. He, he needs he needs to, he needs to be taken out and sent off to the Afghanistan Premier League instead. Peter 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 Drury and Tony Romo dream team. Yeah, Peter Drury and Begman I like. I love. I think McCoy's yeah. brilliant. Mm. I think is good, but again, Gav, it goes back to he's not trying to know the 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 XG and he's not trying to provide that. What he is is providing colour and he's providing he's trying to provide his excitement and the love of the game that he has and express that on the pitch for people who are watching mm. it. And that's what you that's what you want. That's yeah. what you want. You know Shane, what I mean? Shane Down said there that the the um the, the fan cam stuff was, was removed because of foul language and, and Mikey D says um Mikey T said we're far too PC nowadays for um for the fans on, which is a fair point. You know, you'd have to put them on a massive delay and then it wouldn't work, wouldn't it? So it's one no. of those. Well it would work for those who are watching illegal streams because they no, would be they'd be just go around and say, listen, go over and watch fan camp, but just to let you know the lads are gargling and yeah. there there could be they could be punching the head off each other and they could say very bold words, you've been warned, so don't go complain. Okay, we're we're ninety minutes in. Um yeah. th- this has been the forum. Um, I've been your host Phil Casey. Um, unfortunately, it's an international week. We were, we're like I was going to use the old favour of our international football topic, but to be honest with you, I'd rather cut my testicles off than watch international football. To be quite frank, right? <laughs> we'll do something different next week. Yeah, I have my I have my topic picked out for next week. What was it? Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely it's why Danny Murphy is the best pundit on television that's my topic for next week right um, no I don't know what it is um, <clears throat> however to my left and to your right is Shane Davin below me of course is Peter Smith aka Gavin Doyle yeah. or Peter Smith <laughs> and then beside Gav of course is Andy Young this has been three of the four topics because uh, Pete didn't turn up Pete's topic was Harvey Elliott so uh um, no, Did he even to. give an excuse in WhatsApp? I haven't even checked. Just he's said dead. he's having serious issues. Well, I don't know if that's pod related. Or <laughs> P has serious issues. It could, could be at. Well, um, well, he's just not allowed on the podcast. Oh, I don't know. Something he tried to come on, it wasn't working, and then it oh, didn't right. happen. So, yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. Um, of course, does the Sienna appeal is still going on? Lash on, put a load of money into it, um, do what you can. Uh, there's no match on this week, so whatever you're going to gamble on the football match, stick into the Sienna appeal instead. Now, there's a way to do it, right? That'll save. That's You'll probably win back as much as you would have won if you were betting at the weekend. Um, and then do if we have any... Joe, if only Joe did that, he'd pay for the whole sort thing himself. at the weekend yeah. himself, right? Gav, can I do... What's this week's lineup? So tomorrow... Uh, tomorrow we, we are to, doing a transfer deadline day, but it's going yeah, to be... That's, that's what I said. Tomorrow's yeah. a transfer deadline day special. Wednesday, nine o'clock. Uh, nine o'clock tomorrow instead of ten, just to let people know. We're going to go probably nine till eleven. Um, and as I said, right. it's going to be about all the clubs. So bring a drink and we just have a bit of crack for two hours. Don't take it too seriously. Don't Who's on so it? Upset. Um, I don't know. Yeah, 
Um, okay. I know I know two people that are on it, me and one other person, but I haven't decided anything yet on that. Wednesday, I might drop in towards the back end of that as well because okay. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing a bit. Doing a bit of coaching tomorrow night, and then well, I'll be back know. in after the you, coaching. You could be banned off YouTube after your um, comments about Fabinho this evening. But um, what did I say? When ah, you, 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 you were ridiculous. Wednesday. Um, Wednesday is Wednesday is, is Jamie's Jamie. show. Jamie's J- Jamie's attic. As Thursday it's known. is carriage um, with Grizz. Thursday is carriage with Grizz. Friday is. is Sports Red unplugged with Avi. Sports and thing unplugged with And then we have a weekend off until we come back on Sunday. We've Saturday off and we're back on Sunday. So and the Red Sea lads aren't doing anything this weekend? No, because there's no match. All right. All right, you're dying okay. for them to do stuff. Okay, we can make up a match if you wanted. But, um, could they, no, could they not week, do a, week, a post-match? No, next week people have... <laughs> next week, because it's international break, people have requested... Because literally it's this weekend and we have five days and then we're back, aren't we? Yeah. Right? So it's one, it's two weekends, just one, right? So people have requested quizzes. People have okay. requested drafts. People have requested me and Andy to have a big random chat while we drink, um, which I'll have to see. I'll have to check it. I'll have to ring um, Andy's job and see where he is on the roster. And um, <laughs> and loads of other stuff in between. We always have fun on international break, basically. There was one that we said in the summertime, we should do that in the international break. Um, mm. And I can't yeah. remember what it was. Now. back to me and I don't know what it is. You're right. Was it like said, we do that in the first international break. We were picking teams. Yeah, was it a draft to do with something? Picking your worst team or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. I'll think okay. about that. I might have a picking your, somewhere, actually. Picking your worst team be a good one, all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I, I um, no, there was definitely one, and I think I have a note over here somewhere. I'll, I'll, get, I'll remember it. I'll remember it. Right. I think it might have been so something we might, we're going to do on the forum one night. We said, no, we leave that little international break. It might have been something. We leave that. That's, yeah, that's, that, there was one. I can't So if anyone in the chat there remembers what we were going to do, let us know. Right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Okay, that's been the forum. We've been your host. That's been the show. Good night. God bless. Sports Social Podcast Network.